happy Thanksgiving. In honor of Thanksgiving, I have a longer episode for you this week because let's be honest, we all know I can talk and I had six people join me who love to talk as much as I do. So we needed a little more time. Don't forget, you can find more about me and my podcast at www.icupodcast.com. And if you want, stick around for a blooper reel at the end. These ladies are wild and they're also super special. Come meet my family. Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to I See You, episode 17. Thank you for showing up. We are going to start today with a review from Toady H7 entitled All the Love. I love so many things about this podcast. I love that it's the perfect amount of time for me to listen to while I get ready in the morning. I feel inspired with every episode and feel connected to others with different life experiences. I See You opens my mind and broadens my perspective. Thank you. Thank you, Toady H7. I hope you're having a fabulous Thanksgiving. And I love the part where you said that you listen to it while you get ready in the morning because that's when I listen to my podcast too. So we're the same. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I am actually recording this episode early because I am here in Orange County, California on my annual girls trip with my three sisters, my two sisters-in-law and my mama. So right now we're actually sitting around in a circle on the carpet in a spare room and I'm surrounded by six women who I love. So we're going to go around and I want you to say your name, your relationship in the family and your personal brag subject. So I'll start. My name is Julie Lee. I am number six of the seven kids. I'm also the baby of the girls, the youngest girl. And my personal brag subject is my husband Rob's gangsta dancing and rapping skills. Also, he almost played LeBron James in high school until the game was canceled because of weather. What? You can hear more about that later. (laughs) I am Brianna. I am a sister-in-law. I'm married to the first boy in the family. And my personal brag subject is that I am really good at finding sweet deals. Truth. Hashtag truth. (laughs) 99 cent pork. My name's Christy Bateman, and I am the second oldest daughter in the family. I'm much older and wiser than Julie Lee, so my brag subject is I'm thinking of starting my own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Jenny. I'm the oldest sibling in our family. I'm Julie's sister. Um, My brag subject would probably be how many cardigans I own. Everyone here, when they came to visit, was surprised by all the different color cardigans I have. We each borrowed one. Everyone had one on. (laughs) That and I live in a very fun place. My name is Amy. I'm the middle child in the family. My brag subject is that I am top dog when it comes to nerds. Blasphemy. Mom. Hi, my name is Liz, and I'm the mom of these fabulous girls. Two of them by marriage, the rest of them by birth. I also have three fabulous sons, and I have 26 amazing grandchildren. And I make really good Dutch oven potatoes. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Right, my name is Christy Hoffman, and I'm married to one of the middle sons, fifth of seven, for all you Star Trek friends. And <laughs> um, I didn't get it. That's because you're not Star Trek friends. Yeah, <laughs> true. And my brag subject is I have a superpower. I'm really good at finding things that are lost. 
Like my phone moments ago. Turning to a slightly more serious note, I feel a lot of love for the women sitting around here. And the love that I feel for each of these women that you're going to hear from today is sacred. It's a sacred love because I've watched each of these women fight for their lives, for their marriages, for their families, and even for their faith at times. I've had a lot of different people who have met the women in my life and in my family, and they almost always comment on how awesome and powerful these women are. And the thought I usually come back to is that like most awesome people, they didn't get to where they are for free. So I've made a list of just a few of the challenges we as this collective group of women have had, and I wanted to list a few just to kind of give you an idea of the different perspectives we are coming from. So here are a few of those. Having a parent with a mental illness, childhood leukemia, Dementia, death of a child, faith crises, breast cancer, premature babies, pornography addiction, infertility, spouse with mental illness, Louise Dietz syndrome, divorce, anxiety, and depression. Now, it'd be easy to look at this group of women and to focus on how different our experiences have been. But the common thread between us is that we are determined to see each other through all our different challenges. And with Thanksgiving on the mind, we each feel so grateful for each other and the sisterhood of the strength we've created as we show up in each other's lives. So let's start with what are some times you guys have felt seen in your challenges? One time where I felt really seen was when um, my daughter was going through cancer treatment, we we had a family reunion and we couldn't go because of the treatment that she was going through. And we felt kind of sad about that and kind of left behind, which is normal. Amy really saw us then because she dropped by our house right before they were leaving for the family reunion and with a basket of like a video and some goodies and a game and stuff for us to play so that we wouldn't be so lonesome while we were at home during the family reunion. And that meant so much. It was really true. You talk about feeling seen and I really felt seen because I felt like she saw the place that we were in and how we were sad and just remembered us. It was just something so simple as just thinking of us before she left and it meant the world to us. During those first days and months following my separation from your dad, I was so grateful for the texts, the phone calls, the notes that I received from each of you expressing your love and your support. Um, I especially appreciated your awareness and sensitivity on difficult days that um, you knew would be difficult, anniversaries, holidays, days like that. Um, I appreciated a lot your including me in your celebrations and in simple things like sitting with you in church. Um, On one particularly difficult day that I remember, um, I remember sitting in a parking lot at a particularly tender moment. I received a text that simply said, Remember that there are seven of us who love you and are thinking of you. And that meant so much to me. You know, I think just to start a conversation here, I think that when you talk about seeing people that that so often is looking for just those small little details. It doesn't have to be something crazy and grand, but just those small details just show that you're trying to get in their shoes a little bit and thinking about what might be meaningful to them or what might be difficult with them that you could lighten. After our daughter died, she died as a baby and we had, you know, been all totally ready for her to come join us. We had all the baby clothes in the dresser and we had bought a new car seat and all sorts of things. And before we came home from the hospital, Christy 
went to our house, Christy and Danny went to our house and got all of the baby clothes and just stuffed them in bags and took them out so that they wouldn't be sitting around all the baby stuff. So it wouldn't be sitting around when we got home without a baby. And the next day she came and some of my favorite treats, I love uh, red grapes and dark chocolate covered almonds. It's like my jam and uh she just stopped by the day after with some red grapes and dark chocolate covered almonds just to try and brighten our day because she knew me and she couldn't have done that if she didn't know me and she wasn't involved in my life and thinking about me and then another thing with that was just kind of anticipating needs you know something it's a small thing but it meant so much we had bought this car seat and it was sitting in its box and opened and she said hey can i return that i'll call target and i'll get the return authorized and i will get that return for you so it's just something i can take off your plate because everything was painful there were so many painful things that it was like getting you know stabbed with a knife all over again and she just looked for ways she saw us and looked for ways to kind of lighten that for us so i think that just when you know people and you know the things that they love and the things going on in their lives you can you know what to do and you can get in there. So I think that's part of it. What's been incredible that I think while we haven't been perfect as a family at seeing each other perfect because no one on the earth is perfect, but that we've been able to see each other, even though our circumstances are totally different. We don't let that hold us back from trying to show up. Even if we show up awkwardly because we don't know what to do, the point is showing up. Right. And I remember me and Amy, we've had conversations on the phone before when I was struggling and wasn't having a baby And I could cry to you about that. I could say how hard it was to not be able to conceive a child. And you were able to be there for me. And then a few minutes later, we were somehow able to navigate it so that you could express to me how difficult motherhood was being for you with all your little kids. I'm not even exactly sure how we made that work, but I think it probably took vulnerability on both our sides and a, a trust in our relationship. We loved each other no matter what and that we didn't need to compare trials. Yeah, it wasn't that infertility was more difficult or having four preschoolers. It's just that's hard for you and this is hard for me right now. And we can both love each other through that. Probably the thing that made it so you guys could have those two very different conversations right close to to each other, you had connected and you had validated each other. I wonder if one thing is that we had a relationship long before those things happened. And so we already had that foundation that secure relationship that we knew that we loved each other and we had each other's best interests in mind so that when the hard stuff hit, it wasn't like we were trying to create a relationship in the middle of crisis and trauma and things like that. But we already had that security because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it's easy sometimes when something really difficult happens, especially if it's like a loud, obvious thing, like maybe cancer or um, illness, you could, while people mean well, if you didn't have a relationship with them before that, it's hard to feel that same intense connection that you do with someone that you've known your whole life or, or that's invested in you long before you needed them in that way. Mm-hmm. And then it might we, not feel genuine. Right. When they just show up, even though that's not, you know, we can have compassion for those people. That's not what they're trying for. But I think there is something important in being there for the everyday stuff, yeah. the insignificant details so that when a crisis or trauma does happen your relationship is already in place to handle that, those complex emotions. And it's like when you just connect, you have those moments of connecting and really validating and being there for each other. And when you connect with someone, it like opens up your hearts to each other where you can feel really safe with what's going on yourself, but then at the same time, be very open to loving and listening for that other person. So I think that's kind of a really neat, it's like a magical thing. Yeah. 
I was going to say, too, about that, um, something I thought of was, I feel like that's unique in this group of women in particular, and hopefully other people experience this, too, that people in this, within our family, like, there's been some really hard trials, but we don't compare trials, I don't feel like, as much as we could, anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, like, Brianna, with all the stuff you've gone through with your family, I still feel like, felt like you cared, when we would talk, you cared. Mm what I was going through, even though my trials seemed insignificant compared to your trials, but you still cared about the little, the little everyday things that we all go through. And I could say that about all of you, mm-hmm. two of our sisters had breast cancer when they were going through breast cancer, they'd still want to hear about, you know, what my kids were doing or what I was, or, Oh, you moved to a new place. That's really hard. And I sometimes felt silly because it seems so insignificant, but I think that's a hard thing to do, but that's an important thing to do when mm-hmm. you, when you're going through something difficult, still see other people that their thing to them is hard, even if it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's a big deal and important. It's a big deal and important. Their life deserves to be noticed just as much as yours does. And sometimes it's the small insignificant things that people don't see that are the most challenging. Like when you are home with kids that are screaming and you have, are going on lack of sleep. Like nobody sees that when you're sitting crying in the, in the shower, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody, there's no support group for that, that everybody knows about. People aren't bringing you meals. And sometimes those are the greatest challenges inside, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I not think to belittle anyone else's trials, right? Yeah. I think the temptation is too to be like, well, everyone does that, so it's not that hard. <laughs> everyone has a baby, so like no medal for your labor and delivery or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But still, for that individual, whatever it is, that's hard in that moment, you know. Yeah. It's quite the sacrifice, it's right? Yeah. Or getting up with a newborn, or you know, whatever it may be. Well, and and to recognize that you can feel more than one emotion at once. Going back to the infertility example, just because it's fresh on my mind, I can still feel pain for myself that I haven't been able to have a child and still be excited for you that your kid got an award at school. Like it is possible to feel both of things, those things at once and not have to choose. And I appreciate that in this group, I think we really work to not make each other choose. Mm-hmm. To allow all the feelings, all the yeah. things, right, Christy? All the things, all the feels. <laughs> yeah. All of them. They're se- They're separate. You can compartmentalize them a little bit. That was a big word for the podcast. <laughs> Good work, Christy. Christy's debut, everyone. Christy. Something for me that has been challenging, it's kind of a generic thing, but I grew up with just a brother, not just, he's a wonderful guy. Um, grew up with a brother and, and we didn't have a, we didn't have really a girly family. So I had no sisters and I didn't really think I needed sisters, um, but I also have no experience on how to have a relationship with sisters. And so, you know, when I got married, I was so excited. I was like, look at all these women in my life. I'm, that's great. Cool. See you later. And I didn't know really how to have a relationship with sisters. Also, when I graduated from high school, my parents divorced a year before and both of them moved away. And so a couple of years into my marriage, I started really feeling like nobody knew me or knew of me. I couldn't go back to where I grew up to visit people who knew who I was before my parents were divorced. Like nobody knew me. Everybody just knew me of what I was like right then, but nobody knew all my past struggles and things. And I started feeling very alone. And then slowly, and and like you guys all like would occasionally call and things like that. And I didn't really think much of it. And then there was a time when Amy was going through cancer, chemo, and I, whoa, I was having a really hard time that I felt like 
nobody, even my husband a little bit, didn't know me at all. And it had nothing to do with anybody else. It was just all me. And I was like craving for someone to just call me and say, Hey, how are you? I just want to talk to you because I like you. And it had nothing to do with anything. It wasn't like they needed something. And Amy called me and she said, Hi, I just want to talk to you. And like, that's exactly what she said. And I was just like, really? Like me, you just like, you want to talk to me as a person. And it, it meant so much to me. And I realized then that it was like, whoa, I really need these women to help me. Um, because I need friends and I need people who know me and I can always have friends, um, but friends change. You know, I've moved, you know, gobs of times in my marriage and it has meant so much to me to have women who call and who know like my deep inner <laughs> problems and things in my life and to still want to say, hey, I just want to talk to you because I like you. And and it was just so simple and it meant it just meant a really a lot to me. I felt like I was very seen for me, for who I was as a person and not just not just anything else. It was just for me. A time I thought of was back a long time ago, long before I had kids, and I've talked about it on the podcast. You can go back to my story on episode one to hear a little more about this because it's just a taste of it and might not make a ton of sense if you haven't listened to that. But when I was in um, a different state doing my student teaching and my anxiety and depression were starting to spiral out of control and I didn't know what it was yet, and I was still in the thick of trying to um, keep up with, with the demands of that I remember, mom, I remember sitting in the car when I was supposed to be in a a meeting for my student teaching. This was after school hours. And I remember just laying in the front seat and crying to you for like two hours on the phone, just being like, I feel trapped. I don't know what to do. And you just sat and you talked to me and you let me vent and you let me listen. And neither of us knew what was going on, but I felt like you had all the time in the world. I felt like you were on the phone as long as I needed it. And I just, half the time I was crying, I probably, you probably couldn't even understand what I was saying, but you just listened. And for me, I think that's one of the greatest things you've done in my life is you've just listened and cared. I'm grateful for that. Mom's the best listener in the world, right? Can we all say amen, amen. to that? Yep. Amen. Hallelujah. Yep. Showing up for me requires paying close attention to my emotions and how they change, that can be hard work because in any given situation, they can like (laughs) fluctuate significantly. But all of these women have carefully watched that and shown up for me in a lot of different ways. One example I had um, after I finished breast cancer treatment, I did a preventative mastectomy on the other side. Brianna offered to bring my husband and I dinner in the hospital and she came and, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Hold up. It's the effects of chemo. <laughs> chemo brain. <clears throat> she came this to is the real hospital. life, guys. What were we talking about? She came to the hospital to give you dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, after my second mastectomy, Brianna came to bring us dinner at the hospital. And I remember being so excited to see her, but also in a lot of pain One of my ways to deal with life is through humor. And so I make a lot of kind of inappropriate jokes about (laughs) cancer, but it's kind of one of those when you're in it, you get to make whatever jokes you want to. Yes, (laughs) yes you do. So I remember talking with her and 
making bald jokes and then making jokes about how he's flat chested and then crying because it hurts so much. And she just, I remember she laughed at the appropriate times. She cried at the appropriate times and she was just there. Like, I remember we, even while she was there, took off my bandage to check something and she got to see <laughs> firsthand this extremely deformed chest that especially right after surgery is, is quite scary to look at because your skin's all stapled and puffed and bumpy and you have drains coming out. It was quite shocking. I really did look like Frankenstein. And I remember Brianna didn't look shocked. Like it was a shocking <laughs> chest, but she just saw me and so she just loved me. And even though my chest was extremely deformed, it still is. She, she loved me anyway and was just like interested in it with me. And so she saw me in my interest. And then as I would joke and say, it's kind of like Frankenstein. Like if I was really laughing, then she would laugh with me about that too. But the world to me, I'm grateful for sisters and sister-in-laws and moms who can do that, who can read my emotions and be there for me. I also have to say about this group of women that I've seen extra beauty in them as they've shown up for me amidst their own chaos. We haven't done a good job taking turns with challenges in our family, and it's just been um, one thing on top of the next. But I've witnessed each of these women as they've struggled through really busy, hectic, difficult times to find space for me and try to ease suffering for me as well. My sister sent me packages during chemo every month. And one that meant a lot was when Christy made a picture video slideshow of my kids. It was at a super, super hard time. (laughs) It was a really hard time during chemo when the side effects were really hard and I was kind of in a dark place and I didn't want to keep doing them doing the chemo and she um she gave me like that hope again that reason for me to keep being strong and keep doing it even though it was difficult and I just remember (laughs) looking at all the cute pictures of my kids and just thinking I will do anything 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 to stay with these kids I remember one week in church I was so tired I couldn't sit up any longer and my husband had left with the baby and so but my mom was sitting next to me and I just laid down in her lap to finish the meeting because I physically couldn't keep standing. Jen sent me shoes and <laughs> said she'd bought matching pink ones and said we're gonna walk together doing this. Christy, other Christy. Can I call you that? The other Christy. Christy and other Christy. That's not confusing. Kate Christy. Kate Christy. She did some really sweet things during chemo too, but I wanted to mention with mom and dad's divorce, that was really hard for me too. And I remember her sending out an email. Her parents were divorced a while ago with some similarities and she just gave some good loving sound advice from someone who has a similar perspective, but is two steps ahead, kind of. And I've reviewed that email with just that loving advice has really guided and helped me. And lastly, there have been a couple times I've been scared of relapse and I kind of shut off then. I'm a super extroverted person. Anyone who knows me knows that, but I won't answer the phone and I won't text when I'm that scared. There was this one week in particular, I'd found a lump in my leg and a lump in my arm and I was just hopeless. And these women didn't know what was going on, but they all kept trying to reach me that week. Like it was a little ridiculous how much they tried to. It's like, I really don't want to talk to you. (laughs) And I kept ignoring the texts and the phone calls, but they kept making them. And they knew somehow that... You knew something was wrong. You knew something was wrong. And you were trying to reach me and show me love. And also I didn't relapse. (laughs) But that's one of the side effects of cancer is that you get scared of that a lot. So... 
Turns out my body just makes fatty tumors. It's cool. <laughs> Not it's a fine. big deal. Not a big deal. You might have them too. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since Amy was kind of talking on the cancer stuff, I'll mention that I also had cancer. And um, one of the things I was thinking about is when I was going through my chemo, well, all my treatments, I lived far away from family. So I didn't have the chance to be close to anyone in my family while I was going through all of that. It was amazing to watch the sacrifices that were made to be able to have family in many of those moments that were really hard. I started with surgery and my mom was there for the day of my surgery, helping with my kids and helping me with meals and different things like that. And then Julie came out. The rest of my family had to keep on with their lives and do things. And so they were able to go and do something fun and Julie was able to come sit with me during my recovery period and help me since I couldn't move my arms and things like that. She could help me lift things and do those things that I needed to do. And, and then all through the summer, I had chemo treatments and my other siblings were able to come out. Amy wasn't able to since she was still going through her treatments, but the rest of them were. And my sister-in-laws didn't come out, but I remember my brothers did come out and my sister-in-laws supported my brothers in coming out for those treatments. And I remember sitting with my brothers and I hadn't necessarily felt really close to my brothers <laughs> in a lot of ways. I don't talk to them all the time on the phone or those kinds of things, but those, those moments with them were really special. And I just remember sitting there with them because we had to sit for hours together. <laughs> and I remember being really touched that my sister-in-laws would support them in coming because I know <laughs> I know how hard it is to be a mom and to have little kids and your husband's at work all the time and the time together doesn't seem like very much a lot of times. I just knew that that was a huge sacrifice on their part to send them out. I specifically remember one of my brothers, you know, I had to go to the bathroom during my treatment. I had my IV hooked up to whatever you would call that. It's hooked up to and um, I had to wheel it in with me, you know, to the bathroom. And I just remember my brother like totally taking over that job. I'm going to do this for you. <laughs> and I kept telling him I can push it. <laughs> but he like followed me the whole way to the bathroom and pushed it for me. And they were just very tender with me and wanted to make sure they were taking care of me. And those were some really tender moments. And then also my sister was able to come out and she came out to a chemo appointment. Christy did. She not only came out for my appointment, but she was able to take my girls um, home with her. She lived across the country. <laughs> so it was a long flight and it was far away and it was hard, but she was amazing. She kept them for what was it, Christy? <laughs> was it three weeks? Come on. Yeah, was, I don't remember I think now. It was like three weeks, yeah. So it was like three weeks, which is a long time to have extra kids. I could go on and on. Finally, during my radiation, um, which was the last of my treatment, my sister Amy was able to come out and be with me during that. And that was amazing also because she was able to come out, which meant she was doing well. And I was all alone living in a different city than my family. One of my doctors said those um, conversations must be really interesting <laughs> between you and your sister. <laughs> and he was joking with Eric that he probably never wanted to really be involved in that. <laughs> and I'd probably agree with him. 
it was a special time to be able to talk to each other about those kinds of things. Yes. I've cried enough on this, so... I do have to say we also ate a lot of ice cream that mm-hmm. trip. We ate a lot of ice cream. Baskin Robbins peppermint. It's good. Well, Amy talked about being so tired, and I remember we went to... T- maybe church tires you out. <laughs> you should still go. <laughs> but I remember going to church together, and I came home, and I was so incredibly tired. I fell asleep for a long time, and I didn't even realize I'd fallen asleep. And then I woke up. Amy had gone down, and she'd made us dinner and everything and just stayed real quiet and let me sleep. It was just real thoughtful of her. So one thing that really impresses me with this group of women being an in-law, I think it's really unique to be so accepted with open arms and love like I have been in this family. I think that's one way that we show up for each other. Like from minute one in the family, I just have felt like I belong here. Like people wanted me here and loved me and one way that you can show up for each other is just maybe looking outside your circle and like being willing to expand your circle and just realize that everyone's looking for love and belonging and that's a way that you can see people. It's because you're such a good cook. (laughs) (laughs) Coming into this family not knowing how to have relationships with women, sisters in particular, there was one time in Arizona where Jen called me. She's very private. She said, hey, I have a doctor's appointment. I don't want to go alone. Will you go with me? And I didn't know why she invited me or or anything. And I remember going with her. And it wasn't like we talked about what was going on in the doctor's appointment. It was nothing like that. She just wanted companionship. It made me feel so special that she thought of me and that she thought of me as part of her family and as a sister and would think to ask me to go with her. And then she needed to go buy this dress for this Christmas thing they were doing at work. And like, she wanted my opinion. It was like, oh my gosh, this is what it's like having sisters. You know, like I've never done that before. I hold on to that memory. For me, it was like this opening of a relationship with Jen that I, I mean, we had just moved in, so we didn't know each other all that well. And it, it meant a lot to me that she thought to include me in that little event in her life. And I think that's a really big part of what this is, is just thinking to include people and to have them be a part of your life, even if you don't have to share the intimate details about what's going on sometimes, just to have someone there and to just include them and say, I just want someone with me. I don't really want to talk about things right now, but can you just come with me? Can you just be there? So good. And I don't think she knew. I think she was doing it for her, but it was a huge thing for me. And I don't even know if she knew that. And I think that's what a lot of this is about, is just doing for others. And you end up gaining so much more just because of the love that you have for each other. I have two amazing daughters-in-law. I'm just listening to them both talk. I'm so, so excited to have them. It's, you know, as a mother, you wonder what kind of girls your sons will bring home. (laughs) And they are amazing. And I've been thinking about when my marriage first blew up, Eric and Brianna texted me immediately and offered me their home. And it was such a relief to be able to go there. And I stayed with them for three months, slept on their couch, and I never felt unwanted there. They made me feel very welcome and like I had things that I could contribute. I was so grateful for that. She did contribute. (laughs) (laughs) You want to come live on my couch? (laughs) She contributed many things. Hashtag laundry. The laundry. And that was a way that she saw me. Like, I'll put me aside. I am terrible with keeping up with the laundry. It's my nemesis. And she just looked around and saw a need and saw that I was a mom with a new baby with special needs. And I was really just drowning in laundry. And she just quietly did my laundry for three months. And it rocked. And I miss her doing my laundry. <laughs> you know, Amy mentioned humor. Some of my sweetest connection memories have been times when we have sat around and laughed together about some of the ridiculous situations that we are experiencing. 
I lost my mom about six months ago, and it was just after her funeral, and we all drove back to Julie's house, and a number of us sat around in the kitchen and just cracked jokes and laughed and laughed and laughed about just the craziness that was going on. It was very healing for me and just a wonderful connecting moment. I remember with some of the stuff that happened, especially how closely together some challenges happened in this family. I remember, Christy, I remember you saying like, dude, people couldn't even write a book about this. People like, we can't make this crap up. No one would even believe it if we told them our whole story, (laughs) which it might feel like kind of a smattering in this episode. You're just getting little pieces here and there, but hopefully you can feel just the tenderness and the sacredness that the love that we feel for each other through some very difficult things that we've had on our own in our own individual families and also shared collectively. One thing I keep thinking about is a morning that I had on the phone with Christy. We don't live in the same state, but we talk all the time. The night before, we'd found out some kind of shocking things that were going on, and specifically with my parents and their marriage and decisions that had been made that were really hard to swallow as children. I just remember that next morning, it felt so surreal waking up with the new knowledge I had. And I knew that things were never going to be the same in our family and in my parents' marriage. And I, I knew there was a good chance that my parents would be getting a divorce. I just remember calling you, Christy. And I remember that you were someone that because of the relationship we had before, because we took notice in the details of each other's lives before that, and we called, you know, while we were out doing our errands with our kids or we were at Costco, you were someone that I thought to call first because I knew that you were someone that would just kind of sit in the pain with it with me. And I didn't need to even have the words to express how I felt that I knew that you would understand because you had the same parents, you know? Yeah, that was a a really difficult experience, I think, for all of us in different ways and dealing with some decisions that were made that affected all of us deeply. So I remember that time period a lot, those months following and how helpful it was to talk to family and specifically my sisters and how I felt alone and I felt confused. And it was helpful because I realized that we all felt the same way because we were raised by the same parents. And that was comforting because I didn't feel like I was alone and I didn't feel like I was weird. We had that connection. Maybe one takeaway from all of this is to find those commonalities, whether you understand the trials that someone else is going through or not. But I think that's that's something that's so helpful about building strong connections with your family. Like Julie said, we already had that relationship. So when, quote, the crap hit the fan, unquote, <laughs> I'm quoting all the people <laughs> and all the, uh, but we already knew we had people we could rely on. And so in good times or bad, we've been there for each other. And That was just something that was super helpful to me was knowing that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't weird. And I'd explain it to other people. And sometimes they would look at me like I was weird, but I knew I had a place I could go. Like Julie said, even though I lived in Memphis at the time and we lived all the way across the country from each other, I had a safe place that I could say crazy things I was thinking that weren't socially acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) But just be real. Like my sister always is on her podcast. She's just real. I just feel like I'm just learning so much about how to be a part of a family with women, and I love it. When I was having my second child, my first child, I invited my mom to come to his birth just because I'm just not shy about anything. (laughs) So I was like, sure, come, this will be fun. And my second one, I invited my mother-in-law here, Liz, sitting with us. So I invited her to come while, you know, I started going into labor and they were having a really hard time getting me the epidural. I don't know, they were on lunch break or something. (laughs) So I'm sitting there in labor and it's starting to get really, really painful. 
And my first one, it was, I was induced. And so like I had epidural when I wanted to, and I didn't even have to worry about labor pains. I didn't realize how unprepared I was for just how hard things got. Liz just came over and she could tell I was really struggling (laughs) with these labor pains. She didn't have to, and I didn't expect her to. I didn't even know she knew Lamaze. And she came right over to me. And, you know, this woman who is such a good listener, you know, quiet and always ready to just do like the little silent service things. She came and sat on my bed and grabbed my hand and like started doing Lamaze breathing with me right on the bed and was just like, breathe with me just like this, breathe this in out and like was commanding me. And of course I did it because I was in so much pain. Uh, That was a huge thing for me, got me through it. I ended up getting an epidural and having a really fast birth, but um, it was a side of her I'd never seen before of just taking command of a situation when someone really, really, really needed it. So here's the takeaway from that with me is I feel like I've learned so much from these wonderful women of how much they know on how to treat family and treat sisters and how to just step in when, you know, they've been through something or they can see that there's pain, whether it's, you know, physical like labor or emotional like depression or sadness or whatever it is, they just step in and do something. I mean, this is a group of women who just do things. And I I hope everybody has people like that in their life, you know, not like that was a super comfortable situation or like, sure, everybody wants to do Lamaze breathing, but she was just willing to do it, you know, and just like, you need help and I'm going to help you. I think that's something I'm just so grateful for with having, you know, these types of women, all of you in my life. I think everybody shares in that families are different. People are different from each other. And there's a lot of emotional hurt that can go on in a family when that's not protected or handled carefully But there's also a lot of strength that can come from investing in each other and from bonding together through the good or the bad. Do you have advice for how we can help see each other through that despite our differences? I think it's helpful to start from the ground up. So you just start trying to build a relationship by just investing in each other and just starting to connect like through text messages or phone calls and starting there and just trying to get regular with that. Don't give up on somebody just because they're, you know, if there's someone in your family that's different or you feel like you're different, don't give up on people because relationships can change. You know, you might, it might be difficult for a while, but it can change and grow and you have a long time. And that's what's great about family relationships. When in doubt, just do something, just do something, reach out, show up. That's what this is called, right? Just show up. Don't steal the microphone from me, Christy. (laughs) I'm, I'm like, I have the mini ears on. We went to Disneyland yesterday and Julie wanted to hog the mini ears and that means you're in charge. Anyway, you can cut all that. But, um, okay. So, but just, I was in a ward once where the, they were the best examples of this and they just did stuff. They didn't wait to ask, do you need anything? They just showed up. And I think that's how we have to be in family too. You know, even with someone who's difficult, just do something and try to find out what their love language is or what, you know, something little. It doesn't have to be big. We can reach out like through a text or we can, you know, take them a, their favorite drink or whatever it is, do little acts of love and also be genuine. Find the things that you love about the people in your family, even if they're not like you. You see so many differences between you and someone else and you just can't find the similarities. Um, if you really just can't find any, then look for things that you know everybody needs. Everybody needs kindness. Everybody needs love. Everybody needs something. And so even if you don't know what their favorite food is or whatever it is, you know what? Sending someone a note just saying, you know what? 
I love you and I am trying to get to know you and I want to because you're genuine about it. If you really are, then it's not anything huge. It's just do something like just put effort and they will see that it's genuine. doesn't matter what it is. Don't try and think too much about what can I do that's going to be perfect. They're going to love. No, just something. Go to their house and say, hi, I don't know why I'm here. I just want to get to know you. (laughs) Can I do something or can I just sit and talk to you? You know, everybody wants to talk. Maybe not all the time, but just do. You know, You're a show up. You want to talk all yeah. the time, right? I think most of the time. <laughs> At least in this family. <laughs> you can't tell. All I mean, the we, time. We did a whole podcast because we like to talk so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, going back to what Christy said, I think it takes some vulnerability to just show up and to say, hey, guess what? I don't even know what I'm doing and I'm really bad at this, but I'm trying. I'm feebly trying because you're worth it. And that in itself, I've had people do that in my life. And that means a lot, even if they're not doing it the best or the most polished way, they are choosing to wade in uncomfortable waters to see me because I'm worth that uncomfortableness. I remember when Brianna's daughter was diagnosed with leukemia at two and a half and it was like, whoa, we have no idea what to do to help. And I was at my sister-in-law's and I was talking to her and she's like, let's make some bows. Let's make some bows for that bald girl's head. And so I did. And I don't think they looked good, but but I made a bunch and then I can't remember. It's been too long, but some other people, some of you went with me and we went to the house and we like cleaned it as much as we could because we knew her immune system was going to be shot. We tried to leave some presents. We tried to leave some treats. We tried to leave some like misshapen bows and just like (laughs) assign. And it probably was very flawed, but it was genuine and it was all out of our love and just trying to figure out like, what is something that we could do to ease this just like the teeniest bit when they get home? Yeah. And it was so awesome because it was like, we were so scared leaving the hospital, just so overwhelmed with information and medicine and fears. It was like leaving that safety net of the hospital after she was first diagnosed and we came home and it was like a big hug. No one was at our house, but it was like a big hug from everything that you loved and you did. So you nailed it. I was just going to say that, like we've all been saying, if you don't know what to do, we all have, like, it's a human need to have connection with other people and belonging. And so if you just keep that in mind and you just think about connecting and helping people to feel like they belong and they have a place, then you're always going to be doing the right thing. And people always need their laundry folded and their dishes done and their bathrooms clean. Always, 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 always. Dinner. People always need dinner. Babysitting. I don't want anybody to fold my underwear, but you can always bring me food. You can fold my underwear. I don't even care. (laughs) I don't care. Well, then as Brianna was telling that story about her daughter being diagnosed with um, leukemia and Amy was talking about the service that was done, I just think fast forward however many years... And I was diagnosed, and I got a care package from Brianna. Was it Brianna or Amy? I don't remember now. I don't know. Maybe it was Amy. <laughs> anyway, between them. Too much cancer. Too much. Lots of cancer. <laughs> cancer radar. They knew, well, Brianna, I know, sent me um, instructions on, like, what to do, how to handle. I think it was you. Anyway, she sent instructions on how to handle, like, the germs and stuff. Oh, and yeah. Was antibacterial wipes and, like, all the, kind of, like, all the supplies I needed. But she knew because she'd already been through it and then and there was a sign to put up on my door it made it easier to be able to get through that yeah that was the hand-me-down sign from my door that's yeah. right Brianna sent the package <laughs> I say the hand-me-down sign saying please don't come to my house if you're sick yeah <laughs> don't throw away your cancer stuff because yeah. you might need it for a hand-me-down <laughs> just show up show up people just show up don't wait till it makes sense or is comfortable yeah. just show up walk in and start doing some dishes All right, in honor of Thanksgiving, 
we are going to pass the mic around and say what we're grateful for. And I'm going to go ask so I can think about because I haven't thought of <laughs> Well, not that I'm not grateful for things, but you know what I'm trying to say. I'm grateful for these six wonderful, wonderful women. I'm really grateful for a Heavenly Father that loves each one of us. And I think that also includes the family that he puts us into. And I think he knows who we need around us when we need it. I'm grateful for my family, both the people that share my blood and my DNA and the ones who do not. Some of those have been friends who have become family to me that have saved my life through compassion they've shown me and through the the hands that have lifted me up when I struggled to find purpose in life and have truly saved my life and not only done that, but showed me, I think, the love that my Savior and my God feels for me. Help me to have a taste of what it's going to be like one day when this is all over. I'm so grateful for my husband. There's been, you know, times when I have not loved myself so much or felt like I wasn't worthy to have a husband around. (laughs) Um, And he has always shown me the utmost kindness and support and love and has never even once had the thought of like, well, that's not worth staying around for. And he always looks at us like, well, that was a silly thing to say. What'd you say that for? Um, <laughs> and, and I'm just so grateful for him being raised so well and just his spirit of just kindness and love towards me. I'm grateful for just a happy life in general, even though we talk about all these hard things, you know, and I think we've all felt that throughout all these trials that various members of our family have been through. It's a good life. It's a happy life. And we have a lot of blessings, more blessings than we do trials. I'm grateful for that. Just all the simple things and the wonderful things that are part of this mortal existence. I am really thankful for good food. I love food so much. And I'm really grateful for good therapy. I heart it. And I'm really (laughs) thankful for just the good people that the Lord has put in my life. And especially, and I know I'm speaking for everyone here, but still grateful for my Savior, Jesus Christ, and the healing that I have had in my life because of Him and His example, what He suffered for us. I'm really grateful for the people who have served me in really, really tender ways that were clearly from Jesus Christ. My name is Julie Lee. My name's Brianna. My name's Amy. My name's Christy. My name's Jenny. My name is Liz. My name is Christy. And we see you. My name is Amy, and my brag subject is... You're thinking of starting a podcast? (laughs) You suck it. Okay, just edit that out. I suffer from a rare condition (laughs) called blepharitis. Christy, what is blepharitis? It's a rare condition. That's the problem is you don't know what it is. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure, right? Just raise your hand when you want to talk. Thing, I'm not exactly sure what I'm trying to say. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's in my head somehow, but I can't I can't quite spit it out. Let me think about it for a second. I'm like, now I'm just making crap up. This isn't actually what I mean. Get microphone, Shay. Do you have chemo brain? Is that contagious? <laughs> I did not know. You're sitting in between me and Jen. It totally happened. <laughs> you guys, it is contagious. Um, okay, what was I going to say? It was good. It was golden. No one talks as loud as Christy. You're literally the only person I've seen it taken away. <laughs> Julie's taken the microphone away from me like three times. I've just been waiting so long to be on this podcast. Like 15 whole episodes. I have seen Christy. She has not been asked to be on the podcast. Good news is this one's going on unedited, right? Yeah. Just go. My favorite color is light. 
I like playing volleyball, serving the Lord. I see you. Eu te vejo. I say, ooh yay. See you, I do. Yo te veo. Me do yo. That's how she sees neve. people. Yeah. Aheja neve. And that's a wrap. And that's a wrap. And that's a wrap. And that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>